Continuing in the series of homilies on the call of Elijah, we come to 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse 20. Hear the word of the Lord. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it to pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire is indeed God. And all the people answered, well spoken. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. O God, as your Holy Spirit inspired the first telling of this story, inspire now our hearing of it, that we might be drawn into this word and transformed by it, closer into the image of the word made flesh. We ask it in his name. Amen. Our text today invites us to come and take our place with all the people of Israel who have gathered on the top of Mount Carmel. There we find two imposing altars. Around one are the 450 prophets of Baal. Around the other is the solitary prophet Elijah. It is clear that we are about to witness a great contest between Baal and the Lord. But it's a contest that we have caused because these gods are competing for our hearts. In each of our lives, these two altars persist. Beside one, we, we worship the Lord God, Yahweh, who is transcendent and cannot be controlled. He unfolds our life in mysterious ways. And he calls us to high and holy purposes that are often found on the very hard roads in life. At the other altar, we worship Baal, who is much more manageable who promises only good things, and who has no Ten Commandments. We've always preferred that in a God. All promises, no demands. The very first Baal was a Canaanite fertility god who promised good crops and a bountiful life. And one of the fascinating things about Baal is that, unlike Yahweh, Baal is not jealous. 
Baal doesn't care if you worship another god or 200 gods. And so the Hebrews, while they would continue to worship Yahweh, turned to Baal as kind of a supplemental god, a just-in-case god. We understand that, don't we? A just-in-case god? Oh, we gather here to worship the Lord. In fact, we feel called to call others to Yahweh's altar. But we have hearts that have holes in them and are never full for long. And so we continue to yearn for more than God has given us. We know that the world is a, is a harsh place, especially to those who turn the other cheek. We understand the call to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. But we just wonder if maybe Baal has promises for a more bountiful life. So we continue to affirm that we trust God, but we, we all have a just-in-case God, a backup plan, a, a plan B, plan Baal. Suddenly the air is pierced with the voice of Elijah that screams down through the centuries. How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. That silence is our confession. This is exactly what we were worried about. Elijah has interrupted our comfortable polygamy to remind our, our comfortable uh, multiple worships. What's the word here? Polytheism, thank you. Participated <laughs> sermons. Thank you, thank you. Let's all work on this sermon together. We'll get through it. Our comfortable polytheism by reminding us that you can't actually have two gods. Choices have to be made. That's how spiritual renewal always begins, with a choice as you confront two altars. So Elijah sets out the rules for this contest. Let the prophets of Baal prepare their sacrifice, and I will prepare a sacrifice to the Lord. You call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of mine. And the Lord God who answers by fire is the true God. And all the people said, well spoken. It would be good to get this cleared up. So from noon, I mean from morning till noon, the prophets of Baal danced frantically around their altar. With some irony, the, the text even says eventually they began to limp around the altar. By noon, 
Elijah's feeling pretty good about how this is going, so he starts to ridicule the prophets of Baal. He says maybe Baal has gone aside. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's asleep. You should yell louder and wake him up. And the prophets of Baal do cry out more loudly, and they begin to cut themselves and bleed for their God. But there was no voice, no answer, no response, the text says. That's the problem with Baal. You can never find salvation from a manageable God. By three o'clock, Elijah figures enough is enough. He prepares the altar of the Lord. He lays a bull upon it and sacrifices the bull. Maybe just for dramatic effect, he adds 12 jars of water on top of the sacrifice, which was a lot because remember there was a drought at this time. Then Elijah prays, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Answer me. Answer me that this people might know that you are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And he stands back. He throws his hands up to the heavens and bolt of fire shoots down from the sky. The, the altar explodes into flames and the flames consume the sacrifice and the wood and the stone and laps up all the water. People fall on their face and said, the Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. Yes, I guess so. (laughs) It's an impressive story. But I'll tell you what's even more impressive. None of that fire consumed us idolaters. When your bail lets you down. When in spite of all of your hard work, your dreams still falter. When in spite of your carefulness, calamity still comes upon your family. When in spite of your, all your years of dating or, or trying relentlessly to find the right job or, or trying restlessly to find some elusive sense of fulfillment, and nothing remotely resembling fire comes down from the sky for you. It's not because God is angry at you. According to Elijah's prayer, what God wants is your heart. And like any relationship, you can't have conflicting opinions about your devotion to God. You are either devoted or you are not. You may never understand why God has not given you the thing for which you yearn. But that's when your worship has the most meaning. And when you rise from being on your face, Discovering that the Lord is still God, the Lord you do not understand is indeed God, then you rise free to make a world of difference because now you are no longer preoccupied with what is missing in your life. 
Now, your heart can join God's passion for the world around you. That's how you get freed to make a difference. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.